Amen. Welcome to Pole Creek this morning. We are so glad to see each and every one of you. I pray that God is moving mightily in your lives. And I will say this, that God has you here at Pole Creek this morning for a particular reason. I know that there are many of you who are struggling, who have a lot of things going on in your lives, a lot of changes happening in your lives. Maybe some of your family who have uh, been sick, um, you're struggling through illness, struggling through marital problems, you're struggling with your children, children struggling with your parents. Listen, Pole Creek is a hospital for sinners. And this is where we come to be fed, to be encouraged, and to be taught the Word of God. And there is no better place for you to be this morning than at Pole Creek. So thank you and welcome. So today the title of my sermon is going to be called Beyond Belief Salvation. Beyond Belief Salvation. And I'm going to talk about a very obscure character in the Bible named Shamgar. So if you want to, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 3, verse 31. I think whenever Daniel saw the scripture that I was going to preach today, it scared him just a little bit. And I think he probably had some second thoughts about, do I really need to go to Pole Creek? And you're going to find out why I said that here in just a second. So when you found Judges chapter 3, verse 31, go ahead and stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. The Bible says this, After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, became judge. He also delivered Israel, striking down 600 Philistines with a cattle prod. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. And Lord, I know that normally this is a verse that we're just going to skip over and we're just going to kind of read through and maybe even uh, give a weird look when we read this verse. But Lord, we know that you're inspired in your holy word. We know that you've got a message for us from Judges chapter 3, verse 31, about this man named Shamgar. So God, as we look at Shamgar, even though there's only uh, really two verses in the whole Bible that mention his name, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us in what you did through him, that you might do the same through us, God, and use us mightily for your honor and your glory. Lord, we pray for the, uh, your will at Pole Creek, God. Not our will, but your will. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be in charge of this service. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever thought about the concept of time? You know, I think time is something because we've lived in it and that's all we know. Sometimes we take it for granted. We look at time as just a thing, just something that's necessary for our lives to go on. But have you ever asked why does time even exist? Why do we need time? Well, I think we can go back to Genesis chapter 3 and we find out when the clock began to tick. And it was when sin entered in. You know, this morning we learned in our Bible study lesson that there came a place or in a time when Adam died. Adam was created to live forever in the Garden of Eden. And the serpent told Adam and Eve, if you eat of this tree, you won't really die. But God knows that your eyes will be open. You'll be like God's knowing good and evil. And he lied to them there. And they might have even thought maybe the serpent was right when they took that first bite because they didn't immediately die. But that time clock started ticking. The moment you're conceived... The clock starts ticking. To come to an eventual point of death. And we measure that by time. Time is necessary because life as we know it is temporary. Life in these bodies are temporary. You know, when you think about God, because we are in this bubble of time, sometimes we think God needs time. Sometimes we think, well, God's timetable is wrong. Did you know that God doesn't even operate in time? See, God operates outside of time. See, God is, has existed eternity past. There was a time when time was not. 
but yet God still existed even when time was not. He doesn't need time to operate in. I actually watched this video not too long ago on YouTube, and um, basically, basically an atheist was um, discussing something with a Christian apologist, and the atheist asked the, asked the Christian apologist this. He said, okay, if you're so smart and, and this God that you worship is real, where did God come from? And the Christian apologist looked back at him and he said, by you asking that question, you don't understand who the God of the Bible is. Because in order for God to come from somewhere, that means he has to be in space. That means space had to have existed eternally past. But see, God exists out time of, outside of time and space. God doesn't need time or space or matter in order to exist. He's a spirit, and he lives beyond that. God created space. So in order to ask where God come from, you're essentially asking who else is God? Who else is above God that was able to create a space for our God to be in? Because our God doesn't even need that. So when you think through that, you understand that our God is so big that we can't even comprehend him. Our God is so big that time is not even an object to him. But yet, because of sin, we as human beings live in time. And it's important for us to understand that perspective. Because living in time means it's limited. That means you only have a certain number of days to live on this earth. You're only going to have a certain number of conversations with other people. You're only going to have a certain number of days to spend with your children. You're only going to have a certain number of summers and vacations to be able to take with your children before they graduate high school. You're only going to be able to talk to your loved ones a certain number of times. And I think sometimes when we get in life and we get moving through life, we always think, listen, there's going to be time later to do all that stuff. Right now, I've got to get this fixed, and one day I'll get there, and I can have those conversations. One day I'll get there, and I'll have those relationships with other people. Listen, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Do you not realize how fragile your life is? Do you not realize how limited your time is? Well, here we see very quickly that Shamgar was a temporary person, that he was someone who was just passing through. So what I want us to look at this morning are three different aspects of time in, in comparison with what happened to Shamgar and his legacy in the Bible. So that first aspect, if you're taking notes, write this down. Time goes on. Time goes on. How many of you would like to stop time sometimes? Man, wouldn't we all? But you can't. It just goes on. It keeps ticking. It's out of our control. Time goes on. We find that in the first part of verse 31, where the Bible says this, After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, became judge. Here's what you have to understand. Before Shamgar, there was another judge. Before that judge, there was another one. After Shamgar, there would be another one. Hey, did you know that the world does not rise and fall on your existence? After us, there's going to be other people. Before us, there were a lot of people. Time goes on. Time does not stop because we want it to. Time does not stop because it's convenient for us. Time is something that is going to move forward whether you like it or not. Many times I've said, man, I wish I could just freeze time for my children because they're growing so fast. And I know all you parents know that. It's just like this, and they're grown. You know, I'm going to be 36 this month. That is unbelievable. And I know you would say the same thing. How can Ben be that old? <laughs> oh, and by the way, October 23rd is also Eric's birthday, so that's how he remembers mine so well. You know, it goes on. And, and, and listen, 
no matter how bad we want to stop it, it's not going to happen. So here's Shamgar, the first thing upon his introduction in the Bible. He got one big verse to really introduce him. And it started out, after Ehud came Shangar. The preface is, is that someone else is going to take his place one day. Did you know as I'm preaching up here, one day someone else is going to take my place in this pulpit? Did you know that one day someone is going to take your place wherever you work? One day our children are going to grow up and they're going to become the next adult generation to run our churches and our communities? We're all temporary. Time goes on. Even though his introduction is limited, though, we can see a lot about him. Shamgar is actually a very obscure name. A lot of times you can figure out a little bit about someone when they're mentioned in the Bible based upon the meaning of their name because the, the Jews specifically were very careful to name their children names that actually meant something specific to that child, specific to their family, or specific to where they came from. But as I was studying the name Shamgar, I could not find hardly any information about that name. It isn't even thought to be a Hebrew name. It's actually considered to be a Canaanite name, which would have been a name associated with the people whom Israel was trying to conquer after they came across the Jordan River, the enemy. So Shamgar had a name of the enemy. He was the son of Anath. Well, some believe that Anath could have been a man who was from the tribe of Naphtali, which was a tri one of the 12 tribes of Israel. But then others have done research and figured out that the Anath was actually the name of a Canaanite goddess that would have been worshipped by the pagan peoples that God had ordered Israel to conquer. So then the speculation comes to, well, maybe Shamgar was a Canaanite. Maybe he wasn't Jewish at all. But at some point in his dealings with the children of Israel, he decided to have faith in their God and trusted the God of the Bible and therefore became righteous. Remember we talked about Rahab and how Rahab had not a drop of Jewish blood in her veins, but yet she's in the royal genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now listen, God, God doesn't work within our boundaries and our barriers. God doesn't work necessarily in our little lanes. He does stuff that's unbelievable. And here God is using people who normally would have been the untouchables from the Jewish nation. They would have said, listen, this Shamgar guy, he is, he is a wicked Canaanite. We want nothing to do with him. But at some point, by the grace of God, God ushered him into that nation of Israel and into that family. And so much so that he climbed the ranks and became one of the judges. The judges were these great people that God called to lead Israel, to make decisions for Israel before Israel had a king. See, Israel came across the Jordan River from the wilderness when they were wandering for 40 years after being freed from Egypt. And as, as Israel came into their promised land, God would appoint these men and these women named judges. And what they would do is they'd rise for a time and they would lead Israel to repentance. In other words, Israel was like a roller coaster ride. This minute they were on fire for God. The next minute, they were in the depths of sin and wickedness. And every time they got into their sin and their wickedness, they would cry out to God because of the judgment that God had placed on them for their sin. And they would say, God, deliver us. And then God would send a judge to lead them out of their sin and into repentance. Sometimes the judges would lead them into battle in order to defeat their enemies militarily. But Shamgar falls on this list of judges. Now, there are some scholars that say that Shamgar was not a judge. I don't believe that. I believe that he was or else he would not be mentioned in this succession of judges in the book of Judges. Time certainly does not quit, though. And this was seen in Shamgar's life because after we read about Shamgar, guess what? Chapter 4, there's another judge that's mentioned, Deborah. Deborah came right after Shamgar. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. At an acceptable time, I listened to you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. 
See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. You know what we need to do today? We need to quit taking grace for granted. We need to quit looking at people and thinking they'll never amount to anything. Because you know what? There might have been a time and a place in your life where someone looked at you and thought that same thing. And now look at how the grace of God has worked in your life. God's grace is seen time and time again through the scripture. Time and time again where God has used a nobody to do something marvelous and great. Something so great beyond our imagination that we can't even fathom it. And today you're using that same excuse that all the people have used for centuries before you. Ben, I'm not good enough. Ben, I don't have what it takes. Ben, I'm nothing great. You're right. But we serve a great God. And if you'll read the Bible, you'll see people just like you. God uses time and time again. You know what the Bible says? That the fields are white and the harvest. But you know what we're in need of? We need some laborers. We need some people who are willing to go out and harvest the fields. Some people who are willing to go out and share the love of the Lord Jesus Christ with a lost and a dying world. Hey, they will listen to you. They will. They need it. People are looking for hope. Listen, the world is crazy. We know it. The United States is crazy. We all know it. You can turn on the news and see it, and it's depressing. Well, guess what? It's not just the church folks who are getting depressed by watching the news. It's the lost folks, too. Everyone is searching. Everyone needs hope, and they need something that's solid. They need, like, like Daniel sang about earlier, a rock, some, a foundation that they can stand on, and we find that in the Lord Jesus Christ. People need something consistent, something that's meaningful, and they need purpose in their life. And there's no other worldview other than the Christian worldview that explains the purpose of life better, that gives us a purpose and a, and a value as human beings. Did you know that you're not valuable just because your husband or your wife says you're valuable? You're not valuable just because your mom or dad says you're valuable. You're valuable because the creator of the heavens and the earth says you're valuable. Because the creator of the heavens and the earth thought you to be so valuable that he was willing to send his one and only son to die for you on a cross. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. Hey, he loves you. You're valuable. You are eternally valuable. Hey, you know what? I think we've got a few Shamgars in here. Like ben, nobody knows me. Hey, if I'd asked you who Shamgar was before today, would you have any clue? Some of you might, but most of you wouldn't. Hey, it's the same way. You say, Ben, nobody knows me. I have no power. I have no influence. Listen, God can use you. You just need to be obedient. And that kind of leads us to our next aspect of time. I'm going to ask this question. Now? Right now? Judges chapter 5 verse 6 gives us a tiny little insight into what Shamgar was dealing with at his time when he was serving as a judge. Judges chapter 5 verse 6, if you want to turn over there a couple pages over. The Bible says this, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the main roads were deserted because travelers kept on the side roads. And that's it. We get the verse of Shamgar's introduction, and then we get a tiny little insight into what was going on when he was alive. The Bible is very clear that the Philistines were pestering the children of Israel. And what they would have been doing is they would have been kind of like Mad Max style. They would have been on the main highways and byways, and they would have been running the Israelites off the roads. The Israelites were not safe to travel on the main routes because the Philistines would have robbed them, would have killed them, would have stolen their children. There's all these horrific things that would have happened to the children of Israel. So in the days of Shamgar, they were having to take these secret routes to get where they needed to go in order to avoid the Philistines. That was the here and the now for Shamgar. That was his reality at that moment. 
Think how difficult that would be. Think if that was us. Think if you couldn't go to 1923 for fear that you would be mugged or for fear that there would be a barricade where your family would be um, hurt or, or something like that would have happened. That was the reality that Shamgar was having to lead Israel through. But you know what Shamgar did that was so awesome? He was faithful. He was faithful in the difficult times. He was faithful in the times that didn't make sense. One of my professors at Fruitland, Greg Mathis, said this one time, don't be slack where you are with what you are doing right now. You know, it's always the next best thing in our culture. I just got to get that next degree. I just got to get that next job. I just got to get that next $1,000. I just got to get my house paid off. I just got to get my car paid off. I just got to get one more thing, and then I can do it. Then I can be everything God needs me to be, but I need to get there first. You know what Shamgar was saying? He wasn't saying, oh, it's so hard doing ministry. These Philistines, every time I try to go to the store, you know, they're chasing me down with ball bats and they're screaming at me and they're threatening my family and my wife. God, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't serve you anymore. I just got to wait until all this clears up and then, God, you can use me. How many of us do that same thing? Well, I've got time. I'll get the opportunity one day. Let me just get this stuff situated first. No, 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 no. God has got you in this present moment for a reason. Don't wait. Listen, Shamgar, you know what he was doing? We're going to find out here in a moment that every day he was serving God and taking care of business. Every day he was not letting the here and the now stop him from what God had called him to do. I promise you that God is faithful to bring you and provide for you in everything that you need each and every day. So you think about this. Shamgar did not have that clout even the notoriety of the judge before him or after him. I mean, the judge before Shamgar, Ehud, he had like a whole chapter in the Bible dedicated to him. You go to the next judge, Deborah, she had two chapters dedicated to her. And little old Shamgar's got that one verse. Well, Ben, you know, I've just, I'm just not got the influence other people have. I just don't have that disposable income like some other people have. Hey, listen, God's heard all those excuses before. You're going to have to quit giving these shallow excuses, and you're just going to have to admit, Lord, I'm lazy, or Lord, I'm scared, or Lord, I don't know what to do. Just go ahead and admit what you need. Let's get you what you need so now you can serve the Lord. Hey, these evangelism explosion classes, you may be, you may be saying, Ben, if I ever tried to share my faith with somebody, oh my goodness, I'd break out in the cold sweats and pass out on the floor. It'd make me so nervous. Hey, we're, trying to, we're, we're going to give you something to where you can be taught, you can be comfortable. You're going to get to see other people do it in front of you so you can watch it play out, so you can learn how to share your faith. And my goal for next year is that 50% of our regular attenders will be trained in EE before the end of next year. You guys got to help me get, reach that goal. We got to start learning this because let me tell you this. If we can get a group this size on fire for sharing their faith, this community would never be the same. Just this size, we would change the world. And that's what I'm praying that God will do through Pole Creek Baptist Church. So the last thing about time that I want us to look at in terms of Shamgar's life, and this is where it gets a little bit bloody and a little bit gory, but this is where the, the victory comes. Lastly, when you are gone. When you are gone. Now, none of us will deny today that Shamgar is long gone. He lived hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years ago. All we have left of this man are two verses in our Bible. But he left us with something. Something stayed behind. And it was used to glorify God. So there was a product of his life that extended well beyond his death. 
There was something that happened here that we are even seeing today that's going to be infiltrating our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Shamgar left us with a testimony that will live on forever. When you're gone is the question. When you're gone, what are you going to leave behind like Shamgar did? Brother Tim, if you will, pull up that picture of that ox goad there. So we read this next part of the scripture. I want you to kind of have that in mind as we read. Uh, He'll probably pull that back down to read the verse, and then he can put that back up. But in verse 31, Judges chapter 3, the second part of that verse, it says this, He also delivered Israel, striking down 600 Philistines with a cattle prod or an ox goad. Tim, if you want to pull that back up, you can. This is probably what that looked like, that ox goad that Shamgar used. You might say, well, Ben, wouldn't it have made more sense to use a sword? I mean, I'll tell you right now, if I'm going to a fight, I ain't taking a knife. I'm taking a gun. You bring a knife, that's your bad. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm going to use the best that's available because I'm not a black belt in karate or anything. Well, Shamgar, you'd think, well, dude, you guys are pretty outnumbered. I mean, they're having their way with you, and and you're going to take an ox goat into battle? What's, What's going on with that? We find out later on in Scripture that the Philistines were so oppressive to the children of Israel that they would not allow the children of Israel to learn how to do any metal smithing. They were not able to, to use metal to build things because the children of Israel came out of the wilderness, and when they came out of the wilderness, they had lost all their skills generationally. So when they came into this new land, they were having to rely on the Philistines and the Canaanites to make their weapons. They were having to rely on the Canaanites to do all of their metalworking. So now the Philistines knew, okay, we're going to keep this away from them because this is our ticket to continually oppress them. So it wasn't that Shamgar didn't want to use a sword. It's that he couldn't find a sword. But the thing was, he was in the here and the now, and there were things going on, and he had to use what he had at hand. He had to use whatever God provided at the time. Now, some people might say, well, Ben, did, did Shamgar kill 600 men all at one time with an ox goad? Well, really, no one knows, Okay. As, as you see, you've got all the information I've got right here. But what we will say is this. It could have been that he killed one a day for 600 days. It could have been that every time an old Philistine passed by his front door, he grabbed, he grabbed his ox goat and he went outside and took care of business. You know what I mean? <laughs> it could have been just faithful in the small things. And they accumulated over years. You know? <laughs> you could make a movie out of that, couldn't you? <laughs> But here's the thing. God doesn't necessarily tool you with the greatest of tools, okay? It's like some of those old country folk say, some people don't talk too praying. You know what I mean? Some people don't necessarily have everything that you might would say a great uh, Christian would have or a great leader in the faith would have. But you know what? God can use whatever little tools you have to do great things. Old Shamgar was faithful. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. Systematically, day after day, he did what God had called him to do. And you know what the the fruit of that was? You see what actually happened because of Shamgar's faithfulness? Not because he was flashy, not because he had all the money, not because he had all the fame or popularity, but because he was faithful. You see what happened? He also delivered Israel. Shamgar, the dude with the ox goad, delivered Israel. He struck down 600 Philistines with a cattle prod. Wow. You ever wondered what God could use you to deliver? Maybe that lost soul that lives next door? 
say, Ben, I, just, I, I don't have it together. They've seen me act in ways that, that weren't very Christian-like. Hey, you know what? Do it anyway. You know what? Sometimes it's good for the world to see that Christians don't have it all together because they realize why we need Jesus. I'll be the first one to say, you know, people say, Ben, that church is full of hypocrites up there at Pole Creek. I'm not going up there. I'll say, you're right, and there's a pastor in the pulpit who's a hypocrite. We do what we know we shouldn't do. We don't do what we should do. We tell people to do stuff that we don't do. You know why? It's because we're messed up, because we're sinners. And we've got to quit putting on this big facade that we've got it all together because we don't. We need Jesus. And that's what this church is all about is encouraging each other, loving each other. Hey, you know what? You may struggle with pornography this morning. So, Ben, we don't talk about that. We, you know, you need to go, somebody needs to go see a professional counselor if they're dealing with pornography. Why can't they ask their brothers, why can't a man go to his brother in Christ and say, man, I need help? I, I'm, I'm addicted to pornography. It's affecting my marriage. Would you help hold me accountable and pray for me? This needs to be a safe place to be able to talk to things like that. Hey, ladies, you know what? You might be getting abused at home. Your husband may be physically abusing you, verbally abusing you, hurting you but yet you don't ever say anything to your sisters. You don't ever say anything to your pastors. You know what? We're here because we want to help you. And you need to feel safe to talk about those things here. That's what church is all about. This is a hospital for sinners. We don't have it all together, and we won't have it all together until we see Jesus face to face. But I will say this, that Jesus will give you everything you need to get through day to day. Don't be afraid to lean on your brothers and your sisters. Hey, you know what? You might be like Shamgar. You may have that ox goat sitting in the corner of your living room. You know what you need to do? You need to start killing some Philistines. You need to start saving souls, seeing people born again. And I'm telling you that God will do amazing things through you if you'll do that. In Pole Creek, if we can do that collectively as a church, there is no telling what God could do in this community. can't tell you how many times I say, yeah, there's a bunch of meth heads that hang out over there. Well, what are we doing about it? You ever thought that possibly God could remove drug abuse in, the, in this community through the gospel? You ever set a goal like that? Like, Ben, my goal is, is for God to use me to rid our community of drug addiction through the gospel. You ever thought that big? Hey, he can do that. Ben, there's just so many kids who are being abused right now. How can God use you to exterminate child abuse in our community? God's that big, and he can do that. We just need some people who are faithful like Shamgar to do the day-to-day faithfulness, and God will make that happen. Let's pray.